Good morning, and welcome to A Chat in the Garden with Monique A.J. Smith, works significance blooms in athletics and sports business right here on Survival Radio Network. I don't know about you, but whenever I hear that music, which is my favorite artist, the late, great Al Jarreau, and um, the words are dancing in the garden. And so when I hear that, boom, 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 I just start, it kind of wakes me up. Um, I would love to hear, I would love to hear what is your song that gets you going in the morning. Many of us may need something to just get us going. I'm not, I don't mean coffee, uh, but something that just gets us uh, ready uh, for the day. And so that is what I, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't listen to it. Um, Only on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. with you. So, uh, as usual, my first uh, bit of business is to share some resources. Um, I got to tell you, I am doing this audio book from the great John Maxwell um, and when I tell you, it really does, and, uh, and again, I don't get any money from this, uh, but I just believe um, that sharing is caring, number one. And number two, especially when I find something that goes with the brand here, which, again, is about growing. That's why we're chatting in the garden. My company is Seeds of Empowerment and uh I, you know, I'm really surprised that I didn't even know anything about this book before. I read it. It was referenced in another book I was reading, um, John Maxwell, uh, The 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. And, uh, yeah, so it, it it's so important uh, to always grow. And the reason why I continue to say that is because growth is uncomfortable. And many of us want to stay comfortable, don't want to be disturbed, don't want to be corrected, don't want to deal with change. And if you're in higher ed, you better be ready to embrace the world of change. You've got to embrace it as a opportunity and not like a challenge. Uh, whenever you deal with people, you know, there's moving parts with it, and therefore you're going to have to be able to grow. Uh, grow to your potential of dealing with change, dealing with being uncomfortable. And if you don't embrace that term of growth, you're going to be left behind. Because I, I continue to say, even in our advanced academy, which is our paid platform where I work with you one-on-one, um, and uh, and once a month we have a guest expert or myself and I deal with the subject, it's called the Advanced Academy. Uh, I, I used to call it the Growth Academy, but it didn't, it didn't catch on. So uh, we knew about the word advancing because we're in March Madness, and you know, you know, you you advance or you don't advance. And in your career-wise, uh, if you don't know how to deal with growth, your personal growth, the company's growth, the institutional's growth, uh, the student athlete's growth. Uh, all of that is uncomfortable moments. If you can't deal with those, you're not going to advance. I hate to tell you, it does not make any difference how great your skills are. You know, it, it really isn't. 
Because if you are missing on the soft skills and the emotional intelligence, you will be giving your pink slip in today's world. And uh, it's it's hard to uh, tell folks that and let them embrace that until they're calling me and they get their pink slip. And what do I do now? And so I just would just like to really, really get you to to think about even when, this is the most, most important thing, even when dealing with uncertainty, the first thing I always say, and it's funny, now now my students or my clients repeat back to me when they tell their own students or their own clients, their own colleagues, when you're dealing with a sense of uncertainty, stop what you're doing and at least write down 10 things you're grateful for. Write down 10 things that you're grateful for and then continue with your day because you can't have a bad thought and a good thought at the same time. And you got to be in a sense of gratitude to be able to deal with change. Uh, when, uh, uh, Honestly, when uh, uh, this is the time of year, because we're getting ready to finish another athletic season with basketball, people can get pink slips. Um, and, and, and I just say, ride the wave of change to see where it will take you. That came from a book, too, didn't come out my own brain. I mean... The part about riding the wave of change came for me, but wave of change uh, is a thing. And uh, I would love to work with you, you know, if you're trying to get your first, if you're trying to get your next. um, All I do is uh, plant seeds of empowerment, people. And it works, it works, it works, it works. So uh, another resource that I'm really telling you to 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 embrace, even if you're not, uh, even if football is not an area that you supervise, um, I'm here to tell you, when you provide resources for young people, they will find you. Um, I think it was last year this time, uh, Katasha Turner, who is now the athletic director for Summer Public Schools, when she came to me, she wanted to get her first athletic position, uh, athletic administrative position on the college level, and she was coaching uh, volleyball at Selma High School. And I said, well, you need to be what you want to be now. So first I want you to try to certify all of your volleyball players for the eligibility center. And so she took another laptop and put it in her office for young people to come in and start registering. Well, guess what? Those football players came in there too. And then we we created something called being recruit ready, and uh, she began to put it on social media which students were recruit ready, and uh, guess what? Her superintendent saw it. Yes, her superintendent saw it and called her in and said, "What's this recruit ready?" And she shared with her her vision and what she was trying to do, and guess what? She was offered the athletic director position in June. So that's growth, people. Uh, you don't like something, see how you can assist with it. Control the controllables. Um, and uh, But what I was saying about football players and you not having supervision, you, I'm going to tell you, when kids know that you have their best interests at heart, they're going to find you. So one of those resources I am really, really standing on top of the mountaintop and preaching is to survive in the lights of professional athletes' playbook to avoid the curse 
by Tawana Smith. And why do I think this is important? Um, it's important because there are many things that happen uh, life after collegiate athletics that young people are embarking on uh, on the professional side that they just don't know because they don't have anybody else in their community that has gone there. And um, you can have a mentor. It's somebody you don't even know by reading a book. And this is a resource uh, that will actually make a, a, a great impact because research says that peer peer communication uh, and exchange. And so when you hear the stories of the young people talking about their experience on the pro level and what to avoid, and we're talking about um, uh, people that surround young people. Um, and there's something to be said about uh, loyalty, uh, having the people around you for support. But one is support for your emotional support and others for emotional support versus financial, financial decisions, business sense. And so you they, they need to understand that, yes, it's fine to have people that have your back emotionally, but these individuals may not have the experience on this side. Um, you know, do you buy your mama a gigantic house first or do you rent instead of purchasing for yourself because you may not be with that team long? Um, those are the things that I didn't even think about. Um, you know, those are just things that I became exposed to, and I believe exposure equals elevation. So I'm saying at least get one copy, put it in your office, put it on your bookshelf. When they come in and ask you, who should I hire as my agent, and you have no clue, you would have read the book and have a have some a check mark, a checklist of things to be to be able to share. And uh, I'm trying to tell you that the NFL finds this is a great resource because they bought this book for all the participants of Celebration Bowl. So they find uh, as a great resource for young people. I think you should too. Uh, speaking of books, yours truly um, does have a uh, anthology uh, that I'm a part of. It's called uh, Removing the Face. My chapter is called The Public Figures Mass, Exit Stage Left. And I just received my very first review. And uh, it's a one-sentence review, but yet and still is just still a review. Um, this lady is someone that I really respected because when I worked at St. Paul's College, uh, she was the first VP of finance that I saw. This was in the early 90s. And... Uh, she was a role model because before then I had never seen a VP. And a couple of years later I became athletic director. I don't believe she was there when I became athletic director, but she became um, a great supporter of the institution after she removed from the institution when I was athletic director. And uh, when I would go to conference championships, uh, you know, she would always have kind of remarks and, and you're doing a good job, even from a distance. I believe she was at a sister institution um, at the time. So she purchased the book, and I mailed it to her with some remarks to her. And uh, so Evelyn McGill says, your book is awesome. Your chapter wowed me. Thanks for sharing your story. So that encouraged me to keep on um, talking about the book. 
And if you're wondering, uh, well, I don't need to remove my face. Well, this book, this chapter rather, the book, the book has everybody's talking about removing something, but mine is geared toward women in leadership or high-profile positions that were a public figure mask in their industry, but who are crying inside of feeling akin to being misunderstood, overwhelmed, or viewed as imposters. So many, many, many uh, women in um, profile positions suffer from the imposter syndrome. Um, they suffer from their high-functioning depression uh, that 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 they're experiencing, and uh, to be quite honest with you, you don't know that you are in that. Um, and uh, some of that has to do with your hindrance for advancement. So I talk about uh, being the first has a lot of pressure to it, and how do you deal with such pressures in a healthy way? And many of us have never. Uh, heard from someone who shared how they dealt with depression because there were so few. And if you shared the vulnerability, you thought that would stop you from growing. But I believe, I believe, and I can see it, y'all. I can see it when I hear uh, your social media posts, when I talk to you individually. Um, you know, uh, the world is different, definitely from when I, I – the, the experiences you read in the chapter happened in the 90s and the 2000s. But we we have uh, some fast-moving parts. And so uh, even John Maxwell says the part about growing is taking time to reflect. And uh, when I reflect back about when did I make such a huge growth spurt that really gave me uh, the power uh, to move in a direction that I knew and owned it, that I really feel ownership with my uh, my position. And so um, autonomy to that. And so if you're really interested in that, please just email me, Monique A.J. Smith at info, and just put in the subject line uh, uh, book, and uh, I will send you the link to purchase. Uh, I am crossing my fingers. I am not going to uh, be concerned about um, the travel because I am supposed to be in New Orleans, March 27th, in New Orleans for Dr. Ashley Baker's event, uh, the Women in Sports Forum. And we are talking about um protect your brand protect your brand and uh, i'm excited about my portion um your brand oh, this is so funny not really funny um someone put me down as a reference and yesterday i uh, fulfilled my responsibility with the reference and the person jokingly but i didn't take it as a joke said did you give me a good reference I said, well, why in the world would you put my name down if you thought I wouldn't give you a good reference? Well, I'm just joking. And I said, well, I'm pretty serious about this because guess what? My name is with that. My name my, na- Ooh, my name, is my brand. 
And so I protect that. And, and that's another reason why when people ask me about jobs, i got to spend time with you. You know, I, I made a mistake a couple of times and uh, and recommended folks for jobs, got them interviews, and right before, twice in the same week, and they backed out of it after I moved their name to the front of the line because their self-confidence, their growth mindset versus they had a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. So I've got to work with your mind. And apparently I didn't do a good job with this young lady because she's still, she's saying it jokingly, but she's really concerned. She's really concerned that I didn't get her a good recommendation. Now, folks, if you don't know, if I can't give you a good recommendation, I'm not going to do it. Or I'm going to prolong it and we're going to have a discussion of why I'm not going to do it. Because my name is my brand, and when I make recommendations to other people about you, that's connected to me. So uh, I say know your who, know your who, and um, in in conjunction with knowing your brand. So that's what I'm going to be talking about uh, at the Women in Sports Forum in New Orleans, March 27th. If you'd like to join me there, go to Eventbrite and look up Women in Sports Forum, New Orleans. And come join, come join, come join. Well, now it's time to introduce my guest of the hour. And, you know, what I love about this is that, you know, uh, I, I put a lot of links on uh, inside the Facebook group about the Black Enterprise Women Women Power Summit by, put on by Black Enterprise. And uh, one of the uh, panels was about uh, something to the sense of uh, coexisting or no competition. And these were women executives on the business side, um, on the corporate side, excuse me, not entrepreneurs, but uh, women in the corporate side. And uh, many of them talked about the queen bee syndrome. And the queen bee syndrome is like, you know, I'm the first, I'm the only, and I'm going to remain the only because if I let you in, that means I'm going to miss out on some of the uh, props, or some of the exclusivity of me being the only one. And I, I know many of you are going like, oh, no, that doesn't happen. Believe me, in the early part of my career, that did happen. Uh, not often, because there weren't that many of them. But when I found one that was willing to share the spotlight, share the platform, Man, I held on to it. I'm still holding on to it. Her name is Alfreda Goff. And, uh, yeah, that lady right there was willing to share, as they say, the tea, the goods. And uh, and I've always tried to embrace that because me celebrating you does not take anything away from me. You know, that there's a, a saying when you light a candle uh, from one candle to another. Uh, you don't lose your flame when you spread that. And just, if you don't believe me, check it out. Do that. The other flame doesn't go out because you lit another one. So this morning, I am excited about bringing another sister podcaster to the garden, Rakia Gibson. She's the founder and podcast host of Black Girls Talk Sports Podcast. Welcome to the garden, Rakia. Good morning, Monique. How are you? 
You hear your cheers, honey? <laughs> What's that? You hear your cheers? I did. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we do here. We celebrate each other here in the garden. Well, thank you know, you. I'm really happy to have you. And and then first up, I just want to say thank you again for having me on your podcast. Uh, I think it was a year ago. Maybe so. The time has flown by. <laughs> yes, I have no idea. But I just want to, as always, I always bring the guests on and say start, share with us your uh, start with your journey from college to your current position. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, Monique, I'm a little old here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll uh, shorten it. But um, I actually grew up in uh, Indiana, and so I attended Indiana University. Uh, and I majored in public administ- I made it, majored in public affairs with a concentration in criminal justice. Mm. And then um, I took about a year, a little over a year off, Moved to D.C. to work there and then decided to move to New Orleans to pursue a master's in public administration with a, a focus in education administration. And uh, after that, I really I focused on working in government mm. for the most part, but uh, ended up at universities, <laughs> ended up at University of New Orleans, Xavier University for a while. Uh, and so I was still leaning towards that education administration and then um, teaching at Delgado Community College. Spent uh, most of my career in New Orleans uh, working for state government and uh, stayed in New Orleans up until Katrina mm. and relocated to Las Vegas um, where I continued to do work in uh, nonprofits. Mainly I've work mainly around violence prevention um, and substance abuse, substance abuse and misuse uh, coalition, coalition building. And so I didn't actually do substance abuse, but I always was a resource for those who worked in the field mm-hmm. and provided training and resources so that people can actually perform their duties well and serve the community. And so Decided I always wanted to live in Virginia <laughs> um, after spending five years in Vegas and moved over to uh, Virginia. And from there, I was still doing research um, research and working with the community for Las Vegas and then kind of transitioned into doing some nonprofit work in Virginia. And then um, I ended up working for a company outside of D.C. where I conducted research from home around prescription drug abuse hmm. and misuse, and um, and then we did, we did do a little bit around um, medical marijuana and recreational hmm. marijuana. And so, having been home for five years doing research on those things, and when it all ended, as you say, you have to have growth. When it all ended. Um, you know, just deciding what do I do next. And I've always been a writer. Um, I had been writing since 2005, and so I decided to transition into full-time writing. So right now, you know, I'm a full-time writer, author, Mm. and then, you know, and and just having a love for sport, 
I was like, well, you know, I can, you know, decided to do a new hobby, and my new hobby was doing the podcast. Oh, right. <laughs> and so, but I always, you know, I always loved sports, and when I was younger, wanting to be, you know, a sportscaster for football, being the first African-American sportscaster mm-hmm. for football, but, um, you know, but, you know, things change, <laughs> life change, but don't get me wrong, when I was young, I wanted to do everything, and and that's the way I'm living my life now. I do everything I, I want to do um, because, you know, life is short. And so and when people say that, you know, I really take it through the heart. If I have an idea today, guess what? I'm working on that idea today. If it changes with the wind, I, I roll with the punches. So um, right now, full-time writer, I do uh, cookbook reviews and product reviews for for Cuisine Noir Magazine. Yeah. Uh, Black-owned magazine that's been around for 10 years. They focus on uh, food, wine, and travel. Mm-hmm. And I, I love it. I love that. I love uh, writing my my novels. <laughs> okay. I love writing uh, other, life, for other lifestyle magazines at Huffington Post and Amtrak and doing my podcast. So that's me in a nutshell. Wow. You are a renaissance young lady, I tell you. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And then, of course, you know, last year I had to add, um, I, I received my private investigation uh, credentials last year. So that's my other, uh, <laughs> my my new my new uh, life. <laughs> I can't keep up. I can't keep up. And, and here I thought that uh, sports was your, I don't know if well, now I can say it sounds like sports is your outlet, your fun thing. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But when I listen to it, it doesn't sound like it. It it, it, it sounds like you are a whole corporation by yourself because, see, when I talk about sports, I have no idea some of the things you all are talking about because I'm talking about from a business standpoint, you know, about the personalities. And right. You stretch. Uh, I mean, you got my eyes looking at other sports as well. Uh, you even well, got some NASCAR you. up there. <laughs> thank you. Well, what what we wanted to do with Black Girl Talk Sports podcast was we wanted to talk all things sports. We didn't want to limit ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so when I started, I started as a um, a solo podcaster I had my friend come on as a guest, Angela Spears, and we just worked well together. And I said, hey, how about becoming my Mm co-host? And so she did. And we really wanted to enjoy podcasting. We wanted to enjoy what we were doing. We didn't want to to have, like, cursing. We didn't want to be, Mm -hmm. like, these angry uh, sports Mm -hmm. casters. We wanted to be respectful. Um, but we also wanted to encourage women to listen to sports, watch sports, have conversations around sports, and feel confident in doing that. Mm-hmm. And so though we cover a slew of topics, we try to bring those topics to the forefront where we do our own research and we make sure that uh, we understand uh, what we're talking about. And we share that with our audience so that they can have conversations in their communities without feeling, you know, without feeling bad, without feeling embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Um, and though we say, you know, it's for women, men listen to our podcast because mm-hmm. 
we have something to say and they want to hear it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, and we appreciate that. We appreciate all of our listeners. And, you know, we have a women's only Facebook group where we continue the conversation the conversations and women can feel comfortable about sharing their opinions about sports um, because I don't know if you've ever been on some of the um, <laughs> public forums where men are talking sports. They really mm-hmm. treat women badly. Oh, yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, I've been, in, I've been in sports 30 years. Yes. Plus. Yes. So, yeah, you, know, you know, I know. <laughs> you know they treat women badly. But guess what? The women – that are in our group, when they're in the public forum, they hold their own, and it makes mm-hmm. me so proud. It makes me so proud. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. It, it, and and the fact that you said that, uh, it made me think about my internship with the CIAA in 1988. It was me and four other guys. And I remember our internship was to select uh, players of the week. hmm and I remember there was some young man from Virginia State. Again, this is 1988. I have no idea who the guy's name is. But I said the way he plays, because it's talking about his height, I said he reminds me of Muggsy Bogue. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, who you? Who do you think you are, Howard Cosell? Hmm. Exactly. So that was supposed to stop me from talking. Anybody knows me. Ain't nothing going to stop me from talking. You know, so that insult was supposed to, Again, dim me, dim my light, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know. So now, whenever I would see them, uh, I always say, "Hey, I'm still being Miss Howard Cosell," yes, and ma'am. Uh, <laughs> they just they laugh. Uh, but uh, oh yeah, I mean that wasn't a total insult, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, somebody else might say, "Well, maybe I I, I shouldn't have said it. no." I said I will continue to say. So you're absolutely right. You gotta, you gotta be able to uh, build the confidence up. And it's funny you say that's the difference, you know, in your show. That's I knew it was something. It's your research. That's what mm-hmm. makes yours different. <laughs> yes, I, yes. I could put my finger on it. That because when y'all talk about something, I'm like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. <laughs> but that's the difference. So how is is that have something to do with your background being in research? For publications. Yes, absolutely. I love doing the research part. I love, you know, doing it online. Um, and I understand the importance of it mm-hmm. um, because it's so much easier to share factual information mm-hmm. along with how I feel and what I think, right? So you need a mix of both mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for it to make sense for people. Otherwise, they, they, they view what you're saying as being emotional or mm-hmm. et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, yes, I could be emotional about my sport, but I also want to back it up with some facts. Mm -hmm. And so we always try to, you know, drop a few nuggets in every show Mm -hmm. um, so that people just feel comfortable about even, you know, repeating what we said, right? So we don't Mm -hmm. want people to uh, sound crazy out here. So we, we definitely want to share some factual information. Well, uh it's interesting you, you said that, and I'm thinking when you said research and how good you are, and then tying back to uh, how your research enacts change. Uh, I know you didn't ask me to, but I'm going to do some coaching. Have you thought about getting your PhD? Absolutely. <laughs> 
so in between my story that I was telling you, um, when I was before I, before Hurricane Katrina, I had started my PhD. Okay. Uh, at the University of New Orleans, and then once I'm you know, moved to Las Vegas. I had lost my home and my car, and I was oh. trying to decide what to do with my life. Uh, and so the PhD went to the back burner, and it, I never revisit that idea. Um, you know, when you're getting your life together, and you know, and having to buy new clothes and, <laughs> and furniture. And so I, it's still uh, something that I may do, but um, you know, you the the the, the part that stops me is that I definitely need to make sure that I can afford it. <laughs> so, um, because, you know, I'm living here, I'm drowning in student loans as it is. So we'll see how that works out. I understand. Well, that's why I don't have, well, not the reason, reason. Uh, I always tell folks I took my inheritance to uh, learn entrepreneurship of the PhD, but oh, uh, you know what? I'm going I'm going I'm to really come clean with that because I just realized because uh, we, we we're being real here, right? Um, there was an institution that I was working for, and uh, when I got my inheritance, I said um, I'm going to uh, pursue my PhD, and uh, I was not encouraged to get my PhD at this institution. Uh, I was told that you have to be selected. Uh, your money will not allow you to, to get a Ph.D. And uh, I was a little shocked and taken aback. And, but, you know, I told you I'm not a person you can say no to pretty easily. I didn't take it. I said, well, that person is just, you know, trying to persuade. And they said that you didn't have to teach. You didn't you didn't need to have a Ph.D. to teach. And depends on where you want to teach at. And I said, hmm. So just just be clear. Now that I have been, my eyes have opened, uh, that definitely was one of those microaggressions. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I I know I know better now. But I'm okay with it because I need to go to the right idea because I wouldn't have been exposed to what I've been exposed to. And um, and because I teach psychosociology of sport race and gender, the research piece comes in. And um, so what you are doing on your podcast lends itself to, uh, and, and you're a writer, you can publish what you talk about on the podcast from a research standpoint uh, to put you in the in a good light to be seen by folks who will pay for you to get your Ph.D. Correct, correct. And it's interesting because the the PhD that I was pursuing was political science, mm-hmm. and so since that point up until now, I never even thought about anything in sports in terms mm-hmm. of education. Of course, when I met you, I was like, hmm, you have an interesting background in sports, you know, and I was like, that's interesting. I don't know if... I want to pursue, you know, a degree sports-related. I really don't know if that's right, an option right, right. because I really, I really, sports is truly, and I like the way you said it, it's really my, you know, my outlet and my <laughs> my hobby. Mm-hmm. And so to mix the two, I'm not sure if I would love it as much. <laughs> I think you would. You, know you think because, so? 
Because what you just finished saying, your last research about, uh, you said medical marijuana? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to stretch it a little bit further. So let's just say, because uh, the people are doing this, the, 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 we're not just talking about being in sports uh, as a media person. Right. I'm talking about sports and psychology and sports and sociology. There are now there's a push for social workers in athletic departments because kids coming with a lot of baggage now and because they are not communicating it so much into like their head in the phone instead of talking to a person. Mm-hmm. And if you and you you can't see a, a person's background necessarily. Uh, by the words they use, but you you get to look at the whole person, and so therefore they don't know how to de um, to to dig into their bags and put them in different categories to be able to function. Mm-hmm. All those bags are always heavy on them while they're trying to make their way. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. And so and then you get the part about entitlement and, and not dealing with failure and all of that, and so. When we talk about um, sports and marijuana and, um, you know, actually this was one of the exercises in one of my classes. We we talked about um, drugs and sports and drug testing Mm -hmm. and the purpose of. And uh, because initially, I'm not sure now, um, but initially the NCAA did not test for street drugs, which is marijuana. Mm -hmm. They were testing for uh, enhancing drugs. And so now you go fast forward on a professional level, they do test for that, and there's certain penalties for that versus certain penalties for, uh, let's say, domestic violence and certain penalties for other things. And so all of these things, and and, and mind you, why do people do something when they know it could be a penalty and, and affect their livelihood? Mm-hmm. Is it no different from speeding? Because you know you want to test the waters, you know. And I meant to say this uh, in the opening. I finally did watch the 30 for 30 with Michael Vick. Okay. And um, it was disturbing to me because I am from the county right across from Surrey. I'm from Sussex. Okay. And dog fighting or fighting with animals. I mean, I, I was I was really happy to hear somebody say exactly what my brain said when it first happened. Cockfighting, you know, many people didn't uh, until they watched Roots didn't know there was such a thing as cockfighting. But when mm-hmm. you're from the country, you know, uh, hunting clubs and all those kind of things, uh, dog kennels, breeding dogs, uh, all of that. Is just a part of our life, but then again, that's the country living. Imagine putting a country living with Newport News Street. Everything is a gamble. You hear me? Mm-hmm. Everything. I mean, I'm gonna be like um, Eddie Murphy. You know, they were they they would bet against what cockroach would get to the door first. I mean, I had students from from the area, and I I mean. They would try to hide playing craps, and they'll put money down. Uh, who can make the shot from this bleacher? You know, all the time. So when you take, when you move an element into another element, and don't understand it, they're gonna take that element and bring it in there. Mhm. 
And so competition to them is competition. Right. So, again, research, understanding all of that, your love of the sport, but then the culture that comes with it, and how do we process that? And so. Yes, because I we we did an episode on the uh, Major League Baseball. They decided to remove marijuana from their drug abuse list. And so that episode, you could probably get an idea of how uh, nerdy I am because <laughs> I was so excited about it because when when I was doing research on um, medical marijuana and rec- recreational marijuana, I thought to myself, well, there there's professional teams that are in states that have legalized medical marijuana, and what does that look like for the athlete? And I I could see the crossover. Uh, mm-hmm. when I was doing my research early on, and now that uh, Major League Baseball is making these moves and and we'll probably see it in uh, basketball and football, you really have to address that because mm-hmm. now I live in a state where marijuana is legal. Mm-hmm. And so that part, like those two crossovers, I love. Like I could, I'm excited right now. <laughs> I can tell, it. I can tell. <laughs> because I spent so much time doing the research. And so you're you're helping me think this through, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna explore this idea of uh what it looks like for me because mm-hmm. it may look it may look different than what I imagine. And that's really what um I like about this podcast is that I was having a conversation with a friend and I said When I was a young person, I wanted to be a sportscaster. I never knew, you know, 20, 30 years later that I would be a sports podcaster, but it it would look different from what I imagined. I imagined Mm -hmm. that I would be on TV, but because of, you know, the time span and technology and, and, you know, new age, it just looks different. And I really have to practice thinking about things that way mm-hmm. because five years from now and ten years from now, things are going to look so different, and the goals that we have right now, we can still reach them, but it may not look like what we intended. It may look different, but it it gives you the same results, and I am so excited about that. I'm glad to have planted that seed with you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, so now I'm gonna go back to my. I had some questions, but okay. you know, I just I told you, you know, we just flow, we just flow. Yes. So you tell me why you started the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and why you thought it was important to have well, a space for Black girls. I thought I thought your. I tell my students, don't give me the barbershop talk. You know, I'm giving you some tools, some real theories to explain some of the things that you're saying. So. Uh, because that's a turnoff. Because again, I said, you know, when you're talking to barbershop, it's the loudest person who's talking. It may not make any sense. So <laughs> I said, I promise you, when you say the critical theory, uh, the, 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 <laughs> the interaction theory explains why blank do blank. I said, but I bet you you hear crickets and you win your argument. And they were like, I tried what you said. I said, told you, I told you. Uh, so. Let me just. I'm gonna talk a little bit more about the podcast world. Okay. Uh, what are you? What are your thoughts on? There's so many podcasts popping up. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that's great. I think uh, people have an opportunity to 
start something that they want to start. I know a lot of people are doing it because it's trendy, mm-hmm. but there are actually people who are starting podcasts that have some something valuable to say. Mm-hmm. Um, they're sharing resources. They're giving insights. And I think it's another way for people to cons- – it's another way for people to learn while mm-hmm. consuming something um, audio mm-hmm. uh, opposed to uh, video or visual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I like the growth in it. And I there, is, there are a lot. Uh, I, my wish is that more of them just would – give you something of value. Like right. I need a, a takeaway when I listen to your podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So right. what is the takeaway? <laughs> yeah, that's why I like yours. Because I, I really, it makes me go to think a little bit more, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, I want to uh, do a promo, and then we're going to, we're going to break. Uh, I want you and I to talk a little bit about the cancellation games uh, and no spectators at games as it, as it relates to the concern of the recent virus outbreak. So we're okay. going to take a really a short break here in chatting guy with Monique A.J. Smith. And when we can t- return, I'll get Rakia's research-minded uh, <laughs> thoughts on the new uh, developments in athletics and sports. Okay. Okay, beg my pardon. I sent a message to the wrong person that said I was going to break. <laughs> I didn't. I did not tell my engineer I was going to break. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Welcome. This is Michelle McKinney, the owner of Third Degree Solutions. I would like to introduce you to our program, Excel After Sports, where we are career services for the athletes. Our goal is to create well-rounded athletes and to aid them to be successful on and off the field. Our mission is to prepare them for the evolution of their next. We accomplish this by creating a series of professional development workshops tailored to the athletes. We know that an athlete's time is limited, so we'll work with you and your teams to tailor a schedule that fits everybody's needs. So please contact me, Michelle McKinney, at Third Degree Solutions, 919-271-8351, the career services for your athletic department, as we aid you and your team to excel at the sport. Hi, this is Eric Smith, also known as the Financial Literacy Coach or the Money Coach. You know, financial literacy is the one life skill that every single one of your students is going to need in life. Without financial literacy, their life will be much more difficult, but with it, it's going to be much better. And there's no one better to increase financial literacy than the financial literacy coach. We can be reached at area code 770-527-4380 by email at eric at thefinancialliteracycoach.com. One more time, by phone, that's area code 770-527-4380. 4380 and by email eric at I wish you the best. Hi, are you frustrated at work? Do you want to know how to position yourself for promotion? Then Queen's Moves is the workshop for you. Why? Because as women, we need to know our value 
be confident in our options and seize opportunities when they come along, just like a well-played queen in the game of chess. My name is Michelle Larkin of Yumi Connections, and I have developed this online workshop to teach you how to think strategically, develop a personal strategy, build confidence, and create professional momentum. I encourage you to visit queentomoves.net for more details and more information about signing up and registering. This course will equip and inspire you to move like the queen that you are. Classes start November 1st. Royal Court for Us, established in 2017, is a jewelry and apparel company. Our bracelets and clothing designs use vibrant colors and come with their own purpose and meaning. Our company focused on empowering, inspiring, unifying, and reminding each other that we come from royalty, that we are strong and powerful, and it's imperative that we support each other. So check us out on Instagram at Royal Court for Us or our website at www.royalcourtforus.com. 14 years as a professional athlete, and I never once went into a game without a plan. But when it came to the money game, I had no clue where to start. If you're feeling the same way, I would like to help you evaluate, plan, and execute your way to victory in your finances. I'm Nakia Sanford, Regional Vice President with Primerica Financial Services. Give me a call, 404-940-9887. That's 404-940-9887. It helps to have a pro on your team. Why do colleges support student-athletes pursuing every profession except professional sports? Why are they treated as the students when they're athletes, knowing that they need help surviving their lives? I'm Tawana Smith, and as a former Division I and pro athlete and now best-selling author, I've created a transition system specifically for student-athletes called Surviving the Lights. For more information, visit www.survivingthelights.com to learn how we can change the game together. Well, welcome back. I'm your host, Monique A.J. Smith, on a chat in the garden with Smith's Blooms in athletics and sports business. So let's talk about the business of this virus and how mm. it's impacting the bottom line. Yes, ma'am. Oh, <laughs> not good for some people. Um, yeah, I, I was reading recently that um, Harvard canceled its a basketball tournament. Uh, well, I'm, let me say it differently. Harvard has told their athletic department that they cannot attend any games, and their tournament at the university uh, it was canceled. And um, the whole Ivy League, the whole Ivy League, yeah. canceled the whole tournament and just selected who their postseason play person was yeah. going to be based on record, not on the field or play. I, yeah, I was. I felt bad for the athletes because I I thought that the tournament was still going on, but without the students in attendance. Mm-hmm. But I guess some people are deciding to just cancel everything. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate, but um, they have a responsibility to keep their students safe. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what do you what do you do? You know, <laughs> we're just caught in a bad situation right now. Well, how about, uh, and my students brought this up in my class, uh, how about uh, 
uh, LeBron said if you have a uh, if you have him in an arena and there's no fans, he's not playing. Okay. Yeah, I I, I heard that. It, that's his decision. You know, that's his decision. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Um, he knows what he's obligated with his contract, so uh, maybe he could do that, you know. <laughs> or maybe he'll just pay the fine. Or maybe he'll just pay the fine. So, you know, I I I I get it. Uh, I think that some of the things when we talk about autonomy now, um, and finding our voice, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that comes with the territory, you know. Oh yes, yes. And uh, so we have to embrace, uh, just em- embrace the platform. That's what I say. Right. And uh, but like I I, I say uh, to many, um, on the professional side, when when Kaepernick knelt, that was my first day of class at Hampton University teaching um, collegiate athletic administration. And I said to them, I said, what do you have to be prepared for now that this happened? And they had no clue. I said, the copycat of it. I said, it's because whenever they do something on the professional side, you have to be ready for it. Create a policy. When you have your staff meetings, be ready for it. If this should happen. And so it was ironic. I said, your whole this whole semester, you're going to be looking at um, student-athletes' protests. And I said, you're going to ask different schools for their copy. Nobody had one. All of it was free speech for the institution. Now you have that. Mm-hmm. I said, but if you are going to graduate, you're going to have to be able to stand up for the crowd. And if you already have access to something that you did as a project, you're going to be able to stand out. And so this is one of those things I'm saying, if you're listening to my voice, you you better be ready for that type of action, um, if you select to do that, some kid is going to use the same platform uh, that LeBron did. So you're going to have yes. to be able to educate before they even say it. Yes. It will happen. Yeah, it will. It will. It will. So uh, let me see. I have, I have oh, one, one, one more question, and I'm really excited um, that uh, – Okay, let me find my little paper here. Uh, Anisha Curry, the first female assistant basketball coach, Division One, University of Maine. She's going to be on the podcast end of this month. I'm so excited. Um, but she had sent me a questionnaire for a previous guest, and I've been using it here. Uh, she wants a reaction or your response to the New York Times article, Where Are All the Women Coaches? Hmm. <sighs> well, they're out there. Yeah. Um, the people who make those decisions need to decide to interview them and to hire them. Yeah. Um, there's no lack of them, you know, at every level. And, you know, I, that's the simple answer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's not, yeah. and it's not like they're hiding, you know. No, <laughs> it's not like they're hiding. No, it, it, and you're just gonna have to, you know. Uh, it's relationship building. Who do you know? Yes. And honestly, yes. I'm blessed to have people to 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 contact me offline 
and said, we're looking uh, for a minority for our pool. Can you assist? Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's and I, that's been happening before I was on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've served on a lot of NCAA committees. And so that's one other reason why I started the podcast, because everybody kept saying, I don't know where people are. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever. I'll let me help you, all right? Let me help you find the people that you say that don't exist. Right. And, um and and but 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 hats off to the University of Maine. And interesting enough, her provost uh, is a friend of mine on LinkedIn, and she said, uh, "I think you should uh, interview uh, our coach." And I said, "I think I'm connected to her already." And uh, she's not. A, I don't think she's on the Facebook group, but she's connected with me on uh, LinkedIn. And so I do post. Uh, I promote the podcast on LinkedIn. And um, and when I get a guest, I ask the people on LinkedIn if they have a question. And so this is what she sent in, and I've been using it. And so she's excited about being on the podcast at the end of the month. So I, I invite your listeners to join on in, too, to listen to her. Okay. So I have a question, and this you may know or may not know. So usually when people write articles like that, mm-hmm. my thought initially would be, is there a place, let's just say, is there a a website, Um, I know you do this on your site, but is there a website where people can go and find coaches who are looking for jobs, they can Mm -hmm. find their profiles, they can, you know, their preference of school, like is there just one site? where people can go. Because, you know, I'm always thinking, why are you writing this article as if, you know, you have no clue? (laughs) But we can also solve that by, yes, we have a site. Go to Monique's site. She has a great site with a bunch of women listed. They have their files there. They have their websites there. Um, Or is it just fragmented where I'm naturally going to – Go to the people I know first. That's, that's what people do. To just mm-hmm. this resource, you know, mm-hmm. maybe people need to get out of the habit of just going to the. It because it's easy. I know because I do it right. It's easy to go to people we know first, mm-hmm. but maybe we should get out of that habit mm-hmm. and maybe do a little work, a little mm-hmm. research. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little research mm-hmm. goes a long way, and find uh, uh, find people online, find people on LinkedIn. Or maybe there there is a site which I don't I'm not familiar with, but maybe there is a site where I could go and find people well, who are looking to coach. I don't know. Well, 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 there's a you know every every sporting piece or even administrator have their own uh, organization, and so mm-hmm. you got the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, or a slew of them, um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, you can do that. Um, and I was doing some research for another event I'm planning, and it was it's sponsored by Nike. And so mm-hmm. I just put on Google uh, Nike institutions. Okay. And then I looked to see uh, the Nike institutions and the names. And then I looked for all the women of color head coaches, Nike mm-hmm. institutions, uh, to make the recommendations for this workshop I'm doing. So. Okay. You know, research is research. Oh, okay. Oh, my gosh. Girl, my time is out. My time is out. Our time is up. And so 
I just want to thank you for for being on the podcast with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. And as always, I want to thank our wonderful engineer, Christine Lockley, and uh, continue to pray for uh, Clark Garrison. Join me next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Follow us on a chat in the garden with Monique A.J. Smith. Have a significant rest of the day. You too. Bye-bye.